Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Daigle Bites podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Daigle. I'm a singer that hails from the deep swamps of Louisiana. I ventured my way up to Nashville to take the risk of jumping in on the pipe dream of singing on stages other than the ones I grew up seeing. Along this journey, I wrote a song called You Say, and what came next absolutely changed my life. I found myself in tour buses, singing on stages all over the world, and every single night I would get asked the question, what would Lauren Daigle be doing if she hadn't pursued music? Well, this season of Daigle Bites is answering just that, and I'm bringing you along with me on this adventure. I'm inviting new friends that I've just met and old friends that I've known for a long time to come and explore what it is like to pursue their passions. I know that they've inspired me, and I'm sure that they will probably do the exact same thing for you. So my absolute hope is that as you're sitting and you're listening, you then too can be inspired. You then too can ask the question, what is it that I would love to do with my life? And maybe along the way, you'll find steps to making that happen. So pull up a seat. Join us in the conversation. You have a place here. This is the Dago Bites podcast on Amazon Music. Hey, my friends, it's Lauren Daigle here at the Daigle Bites podcast. This next guest that I have coming on the show, she is a dear friend of mine. We have a lot of similarities. We're both adventurous. We both love life to the fullest, and we're both very vulnerable and aware of our emotions at least 80% of the time. (laughs) She's a jewel and someone that I absolutely treasure. One of the things that I found out in the course of speaking with her today is that she received a lot of no's on the front end of her career. And the thing that makes that exciting to me is I also received some no's at the very beginning of my career. But the beauty of her story is that she was able to overcome resistance. And she found herself via traveling, going to other places in the world. She was able to experience a touch of God that she hadn't experienced any other place, which I think is really special. God's intertwined in all of our stories. He's intertwined in the journey and the path at hand. And I think her beauty and her insight is so becoming. It's something that I love to sit underneath and listen to. She also has a beautiful podcast called That Sounds Fun, which is one of my favorite podcasts I've actually ever been on because we have such rich and deep conversation. She is from Georgia, so she's a Southern girl at heart, which, hello, I'm from Louisiana, Southern girl at heart. And I feel like she's a big sister to me in some some sort of way. I would love for you guys to meet my dear friend, Annie Downs. And the reason why I'm bringing her on the podcast today is because Annie is a brilliant podcast host. She makes every person feel as if she's talked to them for years and years and years. And she makes the listener feel right at home. It's something I absolutely admire about her. So I have her on the show today because... If I want to be a brilliant podcast host, she is someone I'd be taking points from. Well, team, we will jump right into this episode from the get-go. So get ready. Here is my conversation with the one and only Annie Downs. Also, I used to live in Atlanta uh, right outside of Marietta. Wait, what? Where did you live? Smyrna? Did Uh, I make that up? I lived off Marietta Parkway. Oh my gosh, yeah, really? But it was on the side that's in uh-huh. 
Atlanta. In the perimeter. ITP. Yeah, in the perimeter. Yeah, not OTP, ITP. Yes. Oh, uh, why did you live in Atlanta? Um, okay, so I lived in Atlanta. Crazy story. But I went to North Point church i was leading worship for their summer camps and stuff and like i would fly in right because aaron schust yes back in the day yes my first time ever going out on tour was was that with aaron second second time ever going out on tour was with aaron schust i love got to be friends with his band and they introduced me to north point because they all led worship at north point so i was like okay this is awesome then went to the summer camps and craziest story i met this family while I was out there, who I like genuinely fell in love with. Yeah. And they were just needing someone to come and like fill in and take care of the kids and stuff. Yeah. And so I went and moved to Atlanta to lead worship and, and to nanny. To basically be a nanny. While I was still like while right. I was touring. But I love like love this family. And now they live here. Oh. Like it all great. switched. And they've like toured with me and everything. I mean the real the real thing that keeps being true about God is nothing is accidental. Nothing. And nothing is, I mean, and so I, I can't get out of this verse. In Psalm 37, it says um, that God cares about every detail yeah. of your life. And yeah. you're like, oh, he, oh, okay. I, why do I worry about anything? He cares about every detail. Every detail. Every detail. Yes. Okay, Annie, let me ask you questions. Okay. Because the last time Annie and I were doing podcasts together, she was asking yeah. me all the questions. Yeah. Annie, where are you from? Tell me the backstory of how okay. you got from where you were to now. To here. Yeah. So I grew up in Georgia. I grew up in Marietta. Went to University of Georgia. Go to Sikkim. Gross. I'm and disgusted. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and uh, used to teach elementary school. That's what I studied at yeah. school. That's what I always wanted to do. And the reality is I have one skill set, Lauren. I mean, like, I just entertain people till they learn something. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, it was fourth and fifth graders. Now, it's podcast listeners, book readers, people in the audience when I'm on the stage. But I genuinely, that's the only thing I do. God just keeps giving me lots of ways to get to do it. Yeah. And so, taught school for three years in my college town, moved back home to my hometown, taught there for a couple of years, and then felt an invitation from God to move to Nashville and to kind of, and I knew at the time if I was going to make that move, I was also going to pursue writing and and speaking. But at the time it was for teen girls because that's who I was kind of doing ministry to in my hometown. Like I was the a volunteer leader in our youth group. And on Monday nights, the girls came to my house for a Bible study. And so I wrote them a Bible study. And that's my first book, Perfectly Unique. It That's how it ended up happening. Oh my yeah. gosh. And I love that. Yeah. So, I, um, so I moved here in 2008. I've been here for 13 years. And um, the, my favorite part to tell people is I wrote Perfectly Unique in 2006. It did not come out till 2012. Oh, so wow. it's like, wow, there is no one, there's no like fast mm-hmm. pass on any of this creative success, yeah. if you even call it that. So it took a long time, but now I'm here and this is what I do. Okay. So what was the transition like leaving those oh, kids? Oh gosh. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was awful. I left everything, right? Yeah. Like Lauren, the, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this in real life, but the Lord, I mean, just real clearly uh, that fall, so I moved here in summer of 08, fall of 07. I'm, I can sense God like saying something, mm-hmm. but he's, and I can, and it feels like change. I'm like, I know this is you. I've known you a long time. I practice knowing your voice. Like I study scripture. I'm in community, like something's going on here, but he sounded like, um, 
Charlie Brown's teacher. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. what? I don't know what the word you are saying to me. And so one night I was like, I'm going to sit down in my bed in the house that I owned in the neighborhood with my two best friends and their husbands and kids. I My church was across the street. My parents went to the same church. My grandmother was in the nursing home across the street. Oh my gosh. I mean, my whole life was there. Yeah. And I sat down on the bed and I was like, I am staying here until you say what's up. Because mm-hmm. I I can sense something and I can't not know anymore. Mm-hmm. So I started making a list of what could God want me to change. And I was like, am I supposed to quit teaching? And then I'd just sit there. I'd be like, no. Uh, sell my house. I don't know. No. Change churches. No. Like, I just started listing every part of my life. And the 25th thing I wrote, am I supposed to move to Nashville? And I had not written any other city. And I had not ever been here. What was your connectivity? Why None. Why was that on the tablet of your heart? No, uh, Bebo Norman lived here is about all I need. Literally, I, Bebo Norman lived here. I thought, I think Bebo Norman lives there. That is, who's a musician that played music my whole growing up and teenage life. And I wrote, am I supposed to move to Nashville? And I'm telling you, LD, in the moment, I was like, oh no, that's it. Oh no. And And so for about two months, I didn't tell anybody. And every day I said to the Lord, please tell me I made that up. I made that up. I made it up. I made it up. It's fine. It's, it, and it would just never go away. Yeah. And we don't like change too much. Is no. It? And, and that's one it. of the gifts that God gave me is telling me, inviting me into this in October. And I knew I couldn't move till August because I was teaching school. And so I knew there was no moving before the end of the school year. In my 41 years on the planet, Twice I've heard something like that. Most decisions, most opportunities, most invitations from God are way more open in our lives. Like, yeah, go do this, go do that, go do this. In fact, I moved here in 2008. I moved to Scotland in 2011 for a year, and I lived in Edinburgh and helped with a church plant there because I tried to be a writer and I just kept getting, I got 47 no's on that book. Oh, between 2008 oh, and 2010. I so I was like, well, I tried. Yeah. And then this church in Scotland said, do you want to move here and help us? And I remember saying to the Lord, like, what do you want? Like, you told me to move to Nashville. What do you want? And so clearly, it felt like the Lord was like, what do you want? I was like, oh, yeah, that's how the majority of decisions go, is what do you want, Annie? And what what matches what you're passionate about? And, and God's just so kind that He has a lot of paths for us that are beautiful. Yeah. So. So I, I am happy to tell the Nashville story, but I always want to caveat it with so many things to go. The majority of decisions in all of our lives do not go that directly, mm-hmm. but God really had to be very loud with me. So that was the yeah. transition. So then I had from, I didn't tell anybody till Christmas. And at Christmas, I kind of started whispering like to my family and to my best friends, like, so I have this idea. And I told my parents and my mom was like, that feels like God. And I was like, wrong answer. You're supposed to tell me I've lost my mind and just stay here forever. And then I told my two best friends on New Year's Eve and we were all, their families and I were all together and they were both like, nah, you're wrong. And I was like, exactly. Thank you. Someone finally agrees with me that I am insane. And then we talked about it for five minutes and everyone started crying. Yeah. And I was like, oh, "Oh, I'm moving. And it probably took me a year before I felt at home here. Yeah. And, um, but the Sunday I left, sorry, this is a long answer, but no, I love done. it. The, I Keep was going. moving here on a Sunday in August of 08. And I went up to the altar at my church after service and I knelt down and I said to the Lord, and I'd already moved like a load of furniture here. I'd already paid first month's rent. And I said to the Lord, okay, I was willing. Where's the Ram? Where's yeah. the Ram? Like I, here's Isaac. I look, look how much I laid down my life. Now don't make me actually do it. And I was like, I was ready to leave everybody. Where's the ram? And super clearly, Lauren, the Lord said, Nashville is the greatest gift I've ever given you. 
And I was like, I, I know you, I know your voice. I do not know how that is true, but I will drive away today. Mm-hmm. And I bet I didn't feel that. That was in 2008. I bet, it, I bet I didn't agree with the Lord until 2012. Yeah. And in 2012, I felt like I went, my gosh, Nashville is the greatest gift the Lord's ever given me. There are a thousand ways that I could only love my life as hard as I love my life mm-hmm. because of this town yeah. and because of her people. And, and so I, I am just so sure. I'm so glad I believed him. Mm-hmm. I just almost didn't believe him. And I'm really glad I believed him. So for everybody listening, I'm in a puddle of tears. <laughs> There's tissues right here. There's tissues right here. I never cried. I've never cried before on this. I feel like I just had the same revelation recently. Yeah. I I took the route of leaving. Yeah. And tried to go away and tried to change things. Yeah. Because of that place of discomfort. Yes. When you got to that crossroads of this discomfort. I want to just be done with it. Yeah. But knowing, like, well, I said, I want to be done with it, and so I'm just going to make it happen. I'm just going to go, yeah. And it, it didn't get more comfortable. It <laughs> God was problem. like, yeah, it got yeah. 20 times worse. And I feel yeah. like God was like, no, I actually had everything that you needed right there in Nashville. Wow. And I love uh, that passage. It says, man may choose his path, but the Lord directs <sighs> his steps. Oh, That's what it is. I All the— numerous amount of decisions that we get to make in life. Yes. I mean, it's overwhelming. I think I read a statistic or something. You make close to 60,000 decisions a day. Those little minute decisions like lift my hand, eat food, like all the amount of decisions that we make that are just so minuscule. But then when you bring it to the the grand scale of life, I mean, my gosh, the amount of decisions that we make Mm. and the fact that you had two, like— Thus to in my saith life. Yeah. the Lord, yes. you know, mm-hmm. is pretty profound. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself chasing that sound again? I'll tell you what, no, because it ruins my life every time. Okay. Right? I mean, that's what's actually true that. is that every time it ruins my life. And so it is more the second time it happened. I could, I would be, it, the second time is really recent and personal, so yeah. I, I won't talk about it publicly. But as soon as the Lord started talking to me, I thought, I know that voice. Oh, no. <laughs> he means it. Like that. So that is it. I, I'm not chasing that. I do chase his peace and yeah. his comfort. I do yeah. chase his voice. Yeah. Because I, I just don't know how how people do a faith life without trying to hear God. Yeah. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't survive this. No. Would you, I mean, if I didn't know that he could talk to me and that he loved to talk to me and that I I could, I mean, that is how you do constant communication mm-hmm. with him is knowing that he talks back. And yeah. so, yeah, I don't chase the ones that ruin my life. <laughs> I find myself on the adventure, like the chase for adventure. Yes. So when totally. I hear God, that's where my seven comes yeah, out. Yeah, right. It's where I'm like, oh my gosh, God just flipped my whole world upside down. Ah, what's Let's gonna happen? Go. But I will say the older I've gotten, I've yeah. noticed that amount of change mm. can it does like take wind out of my cells that I well, surrender, right? That's when yeah. I hear him that when these p- two particular stories were things that God said, uh, he didn't say this, but the the theme was, I don't know that you'd hand this to me if I didn't ask you for it directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the rest of, I mean, surrender is the practice of a daily life of a believer if we want to know God. Yeah. 
right? Yeah. And so that's what you're saying is that you like the surrender. You like the yeah. adventure yeah. of the unknown. I, I'm with you. I think, I mean, I say to people all the time, surprise me and I'm yours. Like, yes. I love being yes. surprised. I love not knowing Because then the expectation isn't on me. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so great. God yes. surprised me. I get to just live and bask in it. That's right. There's no expectation on That's me right. to fulfill something. That's right. I don't know but it's hundred percent. Yeah. But the other thing you and I are very good at, because we are privileged and lucky enough to live in a culture that lets women lead and that lets women be independent. And we're in 2021 that you and I can, you can move away. And go like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go out of here and I'm going to, and the Lord goes, come, come back, come back, come yeah. back. I have everything yeah. for you. We just have the opportunity to control a lot of factors mm-hmm. that women in other countries or women in other times didn't get to. And, and what that means I have to do is say back to the Lord, I can't control all of this. So I have to hand it to you and trust yeah. and watch and activate when you tell me to. I mean, it, we determine, what does it say? The man determines his path, but mm-hmm. the Lord orders his steps, yeah. right? Yeah. I also think there's so much freedom in that verse, Lauren, because mm-hmm. what it actually says is dream the path you want to dream. The Lord actually says you can. Yeah. The Lord says you can determine I'll the path. I'll give you the desires of your heart. Yeah, that's yeah. it. How we get there. Yeah. Yeah. You know that scene in um, Wizard of Oz where they can see the Emerald City? Yeah. And it looks yeah. like if we go across that field, we can be there. And what what happens in the movie is they did it, did it, and the path turns, and there's a forest. Mm-hmm. We can see the path. The Lord gets to determine the steps. Yeah, and that's what's hard for me. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And the adventure of well, this adventure looks fun. I don't know where this is going. There's Emerald City, and then you're like, wait, why the darkness? <laughs> Thank you. I didn't want to feel lonely today. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was in store that I had to rely on you as like mm-hmm. my friend and my confidant. Right. I didn't want loneliness. Right. I mean, oh, that I is like as a seven, I don't know if you yes. relate, but anything associated with like loneliness, they say that we're the ones that run from fear. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm starting to observe that fear is much deeper than yeah. I ever yeah. imagined. I'm like, I'm not scared of nothing. Right. I have a loneliness question for you that I just experienced. I've just started touring on my own. And on like the third night of tour, I came off stage and cried. It got teary Mm. to the promoter because I said, are all of y'all having fun without me when I'm on stage? He was like, what? And I was like, I mean, are y'all like, are y'all like partying together? Because I'm, and all of a sudden I realized even in a room full of people, when I'm on stage, I feel really lonely. Yeah. Do you feel that even though there's other people up there? Yeah. I feel, um, I feel so apparently seen for obvious reasons. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And so I think the all eyes on me Uh can lead to loneliness Yeah. because I'm like, wait, but I'm looking back. Like, just now I'm looking back, too. Yes. Like, I'm looking at you. I see you, you. too. Yes, yeah, I yes. see you, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I they you, I, tell me how this will make you feel. Okay. They walked me off stage, and they said, okay, um, uh, the production people, okay, go to your dressing room, pack up your suitcase, get changed. And then they closed my dressing room door, and I was by myself. And I was oh. like, wait, what? Wait, what? Where is? No, I've just been by myself for two hours. Yeah. And the promoter guy's like, hey, Annie, this is when we have to do our job. job. And I was like, oh, so y'all are just like hanging out and eating dinner together while I'm on stage. And then I come off stage and now everybody's <laughs> busy. And oh my gosh, I was a nightmare for that. But I also was like, thank God that I have a crew that I can tell the truth to. And they yeah. can all be like, remember how we all work while you're working? Yeah. That's true. When yeah. you see four of the crew guys the whole time you're on stage. Yeah. But it, the loneliness was really palpable mm-hmm. to me. I 
have a shared dressing room with all my BGVs. Yes, see, I need and, BGVs yeah. and I need them to be in my dressing yes. room. Yes. <laughs> yeah, girl. BGVs for everybody listening. That's background vocalist. Yes. I. You I, share a dressing room. Yeah, we tried it for like um, maybe three shows. <laughs> Having your own. Uh, and that was axed immediately. Yes, <laughs> like, I hate it. I can't do it. It's no. something, it is the, I think what it is is the, uh, this is going to take it just one notch lower. yeah. yeah. And guys, this is not only specifically to Enneagram Sevens. Like this no, is just this is human. What? Yeah, this is human. What it is deeper is. Wait, will I be invited? Mm. Because a lot of times yeah. when I'm in that room by myself, it's like, all right, there's other people in rooms together. So will I be invited yes. when something is is happening? Yes. Will Will I be remembered? Will I be remembered? It goes like. Deeper than just FOMO, like goes deeper than the fear of missing out on something. It's like in this incubation period, Mm -hmm. first of all, I don't want to feel removed from whatever joy other people are experiencing. So in the moment that they experience joy, well, well, I get to be a part of that experience. And that it's interesting that isolation can turn itself to invitation Mm. like that. That That's is kind of really, I don't know. In one of the cities, on. there was no room. They, you know, we walk, we get off the bus and we walk in and they're showing us, here's Annie's dress room, huge, huge dress room. Here's this room, here's this room. And they were like, okay, where's like the production office? She was like, oh, we don't have enough. And I was like, come in my room. <laughs> so we set up the yes. tables for people to eat. Yes. And the, the production guy, the tour manager <laughs> and the promoter were all at their own desks. And the tour manager hated it. He was like, Annie, you need your own space. I was like, this is my favorite day yes. so far. Yeah. Because everyone has to eat in here. I was like, I won't change clothes where you are in yeah. here. Like, I will be fine. But but I had to, like, the loneliness the loneliness of being in this role was new to me. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I've known a lot of lonelinesses. Yeah. That was a new loneliness to me. So you left Atlanta. Yes. You came to Nashville. Mm-hmm. You experienced moments of that. Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah. It's almost... I mean, it could be like a mild PTSD. There's this reflective moment. Yeah. Um, and then how did you, so 47 no's yeah. on your book. On the book, yeah. How did you get to yes? When yeah. did the yes land and how did you? It's so wild. So I moved to Scotland. Okay. And because I kind of went like, so I self-published the book. My parents okay. paid for us to self-publish. I have since paid them back. But they paid for us because I thought I finished the book. I might as well hold it and someday say to my grandkids, look, I wrote a book one time. Mm-hmm. And and so we printed it up. We put it on Amazon. It sold fine. I had a blog at the time. And so mm-hmm. I had a blog audience and a Twitter audience and whatever. So it sold a couple of copies. It sold fine. I moved to Scotland and I mean, I'd had an agent and everything and we just parted ways. I was like, and, and it was really important, Lauren, because when we parted ways, I had moved here and told everybody I'm a writer. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now I'm not pursuing that anymore. And I have to, it was almost like, this is a gross analogy, but it's almost like when you rip apart raw chicken. Yeah. I had to rip my identity from this job. Yeah. Because I had come here and built my whole identity on what I do, which is a Nashville, I move anywhere news thing, but Nashville is like, oh, why'd you move here? Yeah. Do you have a reason? Yeah. If not, we'd put you in a different category. Yes. Right? Yeah. I I once heard that this city, if you're invited to, you'll flourish. If you're not invited and you just move here, you'll crumble. Wow. Because of how many people so much move here to make something happen. Yes. But if you have an invitation, mm-hmm. you're already set up on a path 
Yes. There's a trajectory. There's someone who knows you. There's someone who knows you. Yeah, that's true. So the fact that you did not know, you just knew that this character called Bo Norman, like, can you imagine? The fact that you made it happen. Yeah. Without well, the Lord gave me the invitation. That's right. Because no people did. That's so right. So I, right before I move, I mean, two days before I move, an agent reaches out to me and says, hey, there's a publisher that might be interested in your book. And I'm like, hey, I'm moving to Scotland day after tomorrow. And I don't know if I'm coming home. Like, I've put everything in a pod. Yeah. And I, he was, and I was like, I mean, you can pitch around while I'm gone, but I'm I'm not sure how long gone is. And and so I move overseas and I don't think about it really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm working part-time for a nonprofit here in town and working for the church and I'm writing another book because I don't know how to not write books. And so I'm working on a book and then I end up moving home about six months in. It just felt like the Lord kind of went like, okay. Like yeah. it, it just felt, it was not a directive. It was, I'll tell you what I did. I sat down at the Starbucks and, and it's called Holy Corner in Edinburgh because it has churches on every corner. Oh, I love it. So there's a Starbucks right there and our church was right there. And so I sat down in the Starbucks and I was like, why do I feel so alive? Mm. What is it? And so I listed out things about my life. I'm single. Please, Lord, tell me that's not why I feel so. Tell me that's not like my favorite part of my life. Get out of here. But it could be fun for a minute. What do I love about my life? So here's what I know that makes me so so alive. I'm single. I live in Edinburgh and I'm doing college ministry. Those three things are true. And and I just felt like as I was sitting there, the word kind of go, yeah, you can do college ministry anywhere. And I was like, Oh, I can. Mm. That thing that makes me feel the most alive, I can do back at home. And so I ended up moving home at the end of that semester. Once we had kind of gotten the church, it was a church for college students in Edinburgh. So once it was kind of off the ground, I came home. And I came home, and a month later, we had a book offer from a publisher. And a month after that, I met Lee, your manager, because Girls of Grace, the tour, had a partnership with my publisher, Zondervan. And they had part of the sponsorship between Zondervan and the tour was one bunk on the bus and a 20 minute slot to speak. And I was the only author that lived in Nashville. Fact check, fact check. We picked Annie. We looked, I don't, no, we looked at all the authors and we picked you. Oh, thanks. Yes, I've always you. thought that it was because I was the one that was here. Yeah, <laughs> um, and so that, I mean, that's how it happened. So then Lauren, I mean, the book comes out in August and the like the book comes out on a Tuesday in 2012 in August. And on Saturday, I'm on a stage in Phoenix on Girls of Grace tour with Point of Grace, who I'd never met before. And suddenly I'm going to be touring with them every other weekend for the whole school year. So it is that. like I came home and God went like, here's that whole job. And you're actually, here's your first book. And then by the end of that school year, Girls of Grace signs me for a second year. And Zondervan goes, well, then we need a new book. And so then, so for two school years, I was traveling every other weekend on a bus and it, it could not have felt more like a whiplash life. Oh like, yeah. I just lived in yeah. Scotland and no <laughs> one knew who I was and yeah. now I'm on a bus and it was absolutely wild. So that's how we got here. Okay. This is crazy. I'm just drawing parallels because we love connection. Uh, I moved to Nashville, lived here for two years before I moved to Atlanta for uh-huh. the eight months or whatever right. that I lived there, a year that I lived there, and then moved back to Nashville, which is so funny. And then everything the blew up. Thing. Yes. Which is, you moved exactly here, you had your, your little chunk of time, moved to Scotland, yep. and then come back and, and back. everything blew up. Yeah. I love, that's pretty interesting. It is. Inter- I mean, there's like, something about giving up 
your life here. There's something about walking away from the dream mm-hmm. and then coming back. I mean, yeah. I, I got to, when I was moving back to the United States, I was like, where do I go? Yeah. My stuff is in a pod in Nashville. So I yeah. go back to my community in Nashville or this is my moment if I want to go back to Atlanta. Yeah. And I was like, no, Nashville yeah. is the greatest gift God's ever given me. I have yeah. to, I want to, and I have to go back there. Yeah. And so, and it's just been tied to the front of a train since then. You know, oh like it's gosh. just been going since then. And I'm so thankful. And I'm, I, I was also Marco polling with some friends last night and a girl's like, I think I'm going to quit my job and do like two months of living on, on um, savings and then pick a new job. And I was like, what would that be like? <laughs> you and I don't get to quit our jobs like ever. This I, this is my job forever. forever. So yeah. I was like, huh, to quit a job. <laughs> like, so it just is a different world than I had when I taught school and yeah. when I lived in Edinburgh. And had I gotten married when I wanted to get married mm. every time, I would not love my life like I do yeah. now. There's so yeah. much I wouldn't have gotten to do. I would have gotten to do other things. Yes. There's so much I wouldn't have gotten to do. I would not rewrite my story and for one, for anything, I wouldn't rewrite my story at all. Yeah, I love that so much. Yeah. Um, okay, so you left Edinburgh, come yeah. back here, you get your book deal. What is the process of writing a book? Because if you had to write, uh-huh. and were you teaching? Were no, you teaching I never had a job you're... here. Mm-mm. Okay, so no. I didn't know if, like, because you were referencing it in school years, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was sorry. every other week. Because it was a teen girl. Um, Tour. Okay. And so it ran on the school year. School year. Sorry, sorry, got it, sorry. Got it, Because yeah, it, it, it didn't run in the summers. Okay. So you went and you had to write another book. What mm-hmm. is the process of writing a book like? Oh, girl, it was so funny. I mean, every weekend, it was crazy. It was wild to try to write that. The second one was built off of my talk at Girls of Grace about how you use your words and how, particularly at the time, mm-hmm. how teenage girls use their words. It's called Speak Love. It's still available and people use it in small groups a lot. Yeah, I love that. So, so thankful. So I had a lot of content around that and I had been talking about it so much and I was getting a lot of feedback from teenagers and from mm-hmm. their moms. And so, I mean, we would get on the bus. We bus out Thursday nights. All day Friday was set up, which wasn't really my job after I set up my own merch table. Mm-hmm. So then I would find a corner of the church and I would write. And then on Saturdays during the show, I only had my 20-minute segment and I had to be out there at my merch table every time, yeah. which LD, listen, my face was, nobody knew who I was. Literally, nobody knew who I was. And my face was not on my banner or on the back of the book. So I would be standing at the merch table and people would be like, I don't think this one looks good. This book does not look great because they didn't know it was me because I hadn't talked yet because I didn't talk to like 1.30 in the afternoon. But and so people would be like, is the author going to be signing? And I was like, it's, it's me. You just haven't seen me on stage yet because I don't go on until 1.30. And it was so the only times I had to be out there were those humbling hours oh. of at the merch table as a nobody. And then <laughs> um, and then I would write in between. And so I had outlined wow. the whole thing, and it was a pretty fast turnaround for publishing, but they knew they wanted another book for the next year of touring, and they knew that it was going to be about that. And so so you leave the tour, you yeah. finish, you write your second book, yeah. and then where is the segue into becoming a podcaster? Yeah, so in 2014, so that's that school year is 12, 13, 13, 14. In 2014, uh, sorry, those two years that I was on Girls of Grace. So I was on Girls of Grace 2012 to 2014. And in 2014, a novelist named Ted Decker, his PR person, I know her from Nashville, and she calls me and says, hey, Ted's going to do a couple of interviews around his book that's coming out. And I heard your fan, would you want to interview him? And I was like, yeah, 100%. What do you want me to do with it? Like, where do we release it? Do you have a place? And she was like, no, do you have a place? And I was like, 
I mean, I have a blog, but we don't really do like <laughs> audio releases on a blog. And she said, well, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Hand to heaven, Lauren. I said, huh, that sounds fun. And I went home and I was like, that sounds fun. I say that all the time. That sounds fun. And so I looked to see if there was a That Sounds Fun podcast and there wasn't. So I grabbed it. And that's how it started. Is And I went, okay, well, let me call my friend Cassie, who uh, is married to our friend Charles and Lady A. And let me call Cassie, who is like a businesswoman, a brilliant businesswoman. I was like, let's sit down and talk about doing business stuff. And okay, let me call my friend Dave Barnes. He'll talk into a microphone for me. And, and so I just kind of started asking favors for about the first eight shows. And I was editing them myself, putting the music in, and Garage Band. It was awful. It was awful. And I, I and, and by that. the time I got through about eight of them, eight eight to ten of them, I thought people are listening. There's enough people responding to me. I love this. I love when my friends meet my friends, and that's what I get to do on the show yes. is go, oh my gosh, y'all know Lauren's music, but do you know Lauren? Like, come on my show so that y'all Lauren can meet everybody and y'all can meet Lauren. And I was like, I feel very Annie and very alive in this. And so then I was like, now I need to hire people. Now I need to hire an editor. I need to hire a producer. Like we need to get people who are. And so for the first probably three years of the show, I just out of pocket paid for it. We didn't have advertising or anything. Yeah. It was like, I just need now, you know, you know this, but our friends, none of, nobody starts podcasting without making money now. They're yeah. like, uh, no, how much will I make for this? And, and then when I started back then, it was just like. Well, I just want to keep making it so yeah. I can, I'll just take an extra speaking gig and that'll pay for three podcast episodes. Yeah. And I'll, you know, I'll do this writing. Someone asked me to co-write a book with them and I was like, well, I want LASIK and I want to go to Scotland to visit my friends and I need to do more podcast episodes. So, okay. <laughs> you know, like you just make time for that stuff. So yeah, that's me yesterday. How oh, as you did that yesterday. I did, like, I did. I did. I was like, okay, I'll take that show because I need to go on this. We're doing this girls retreat. Yeah. And so I could pay for the girls retreat with the trip. This yep. is great. <laughs> that's what we do. And, and I think that. that's such a gift yeah. of being able to go like all of our friends listening do this with their time and with their money of going like, is this worth it to me? Yeah. And for me, it is very helpful to go. Is this worth me leaving Nashville? Is mm -hmm. this worth me? Is that amount of money going to make enough difference in our company to let our company yeah. do something that we won't be able to do if I don't do this yeah. so school teacher yeah school teacher to <laughs> nashville resident yeah uh to author to author speaker yeah podcaster and now you have an entire company yeah of that sound fun ted decker yeah ted the De big I've question yeah will you come and talk to ted decker yes on a microphone turn into an entire company that you started that's right which is crazy for that's every crazy. person listening in who's like well i just know that i feel like i want to do this okay, I guess I'll just take one step in that direction. The domino effects That's right. are just, it can be perplexing. You just it have no idea. It can be wild. You just yes. have no idea. Yes. Now you have an entire company called That Sounds Fun. Mm -hmm. When you feel that pressure and that insecurity, mm -hmm. when your mindset is in a state of insecurity, what do you do to find victory on the other side yeah. of a defeated mindset? Um, I, I do the halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Do you know that? No, I love okay, this. So I halt first. Okay. Am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? Mm -hmm. So if I feel big insecurity, if I feel big feelings, mm -hmm. I ask myself those things first. Yeah. Is what? So yesterday I missed lunch yeah. and I had big feelings in the afternoon. And I was like, hey, you know why? Because you haven't had any chicken. Yeah. So go yeah. eat some chicken and then let's see. Yes. And, and, and I came home from tour one morning as we come home in the mornings and I was Marco pulling my best friends just bawling bawling <laughs> about something that was great about like a thing going forward and I was like bawling about they're like you need to take a nap you need to yeah. take a nap you were yeah. up all night on the bus yeah you need to take a nap and I was yeah. like I, you're right and I woke up and I was like 
My apologies. <laughs> yeah, I apologize before I started. So that's one of the ways I do. I handle my insecurities. I'm going to write I that make down. Make sure all those things are handled first. Am yep. I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Yeah. And I fix that first. And then, I mean, this may sound churchy, Lauren, but but I don't know. And this, so it may sound churchy, but also this is 41 years old and not married yet. Mm-hmm. Is that I've been in a primary relationship for 41 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, 36 years because I, I got saved when I was five. And so and so I go first to Jesus yeah. and I just cry it out. I tell him what I'm really scared of. I I listen. I get mad. I, I do all the things you do in committed relationships mm-hmm. when you know the other person isn't leaving. Yeah. And so that's the first place I go. And then like you have Lee, I have I have Lee or I have <laughs> Kelly. I have I have people on my team that when all this feels too much, I say, This feels like too much. Yeah. Feels like too much. Here's what I've already done. I've already checked to make sure I ate. I've already taken a nap. I don't feel lonely more than normal. And and I've already talked to Jesus. And I still feel like this is too much. We need to talk about it. Yeah. And so that's kind of my path. Maybe in a in a concentric circle, in a bullseye kind of way. The very center is my own body and like yep. science. Yeah. And then the next ring out is God. Yeah. And the next ring out is other people. Yep. Wow. I love, I'm going to write that down. It helps I might you tattoo so that on my body. My, right? <laughs> hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I mean, it is, anytime someone has an emotional thing back, you don't want to be like, mm-hmm. oh, are you hungry? Yeah. But you also want to be like, I totally hear you. Can we talk about, and Ashley on my team who travels with me, yeah. will say, can we figure out if you're need, if, if you need to halt first? Yep. And then we can talk, your feelings are real, but yeah. do you need to halt? And yeah. I'm like, I feel really angry. I feel really lonely because yeah. I'm hungry and tired. Yeah. <laughs> but that is that what is, all that will help yeah. with your insecurities. Whether yeah. you're insecure about the person you're about to see tonight or your job mm-hmm. or your whatever. If you can ask yourself some real basic scientific questions about yeah. your body. Yeah. I mean, I say this a lot. I think I've even said this in real life, but but being a good friend to yourself really matters. Yeah, yeah it does. And I mean, what Jesus said is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as Yourself. Yourself. He did not say, love your neighbor as you love your family. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor as you love your pet. Love your neighbor as you love your king. He said, he didn't say, love your neighbor as you love your God. He -hmm. said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That relationship, Jesus meant for us to pay attention to the relationship we have with ourselves. And so I try to be a good friend to myself when I feel that insecurity, like I would be to you. If you said to me, I'm really insecure, I'd be like, what can I do? Yeah. What do you need? Yeah. And you go, I'm super tired. Okay. Take a nap and then let's talk about it. Yeah. I try to be that for myself yeah. and go, oh, I, I bet you're so tired. Yeah. So I bet that does feel really big. Your feelings are so true. What do you do when an idea falls apart? Oh, jeez. Here's the problem with us, with you and me yeah. as humans. We deny it. <laughs> I get on a plane. No, I mean, sometimes. Have done, have done, have done. No, you know, I think one of the things that is a gift about Enneagram sevens and some other types, but you and I, is when we when an idea starts, we actually can see the finish line. Oh yeah. And so when a relationship starts, we can see the finish line. When a friendship starts, when we see a finish line, when an idea starts to blossom, what if Annie and Lauren toured together? All of a sudden I see the whole thing, right? And so that then is falls. exactly like my brain. I've never heard someone yeah. explain it. So so let's go back to the Emerald yeah. City thing. Yeah. The problem is that, that that we can actually go on a journey that never meant for us to go to that destination. And so what I've had to learn to do oh, when an I, I know it's I terrible. Throw up. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It, it, so what I've learned to do is give myself permission. Of course you can see all the way to the end. You would not be wanting to do this relationship if you couldn't see the end. You would not want to do this idea if you couldn't see it succeed. Mm-hmm. 
when it falls apart, the thing you have to tell yourself is it was not necessarily going there anyway. Mm-hmm. I was not fantasizing. I did not make this up. Yep. I have, Which is really hard for me because I can fantasize so well. So it is yeah. bad. I mean, our imagination is a gift from God. Yeah, yeah. We are meant to imagine things we cannot see. It is a prophetic way to live. Yep. The problem can be when you put all your hope in the thing you made up in your head yeah. instead of going, God, I see it. Now can we walk toward it? Mm-hmm. And so the way that yeah. I handle when it falls apart is I grieve it pretty hard mm-hmm. because I saw the end. Yeah, you know, and I'm a builder. You said you said it. I my podcast, my books. That that sounds fun. Network, like I'm a builder. It, it, my I was in a tiny, tiny baby relationship last year, and it was only a couple of months. And I was so sad when it ended. And I thought, and I said to my counselor, "Why we never like we were not serious? What are you?" And and she was like, "You saw the end, and you were yeah. building, and you love building." And I was like, yeah. "I do love." Building. Yep. And so telling yourself the truth of why you're sad. Yeah. It, it, that guy was great, but he's not a guy for me. Yes. He moved far. He moved to another country and yeah. went, fine, live your best. But I, I think when an idea falls apart, I need to be reminded that, that God was kind to me and my ability to see the end. And he's kind to me. And when he actually ended it. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that's how I handle when an idea falls apart. Yeah. And I, and I make myself keep dreaming. Yeah. Keep doing it. And you yeah. got to do it again. Yeah. I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> I love you so much. I'm I so feel much like friend. I literally this entire podcast had to keep myself from crying about ten times. Mm. I don't know if it's a presence of God thing. Mm. I don't know if it's like a yeah. I I literally came into this like for some. I moved my fight. Thank you for adjusting you everything. Moved your flight. But and I you're was about like, to thank me. Oh well, my God, no, Lauren. I'm saying thank you for adjusting because I said I just feel like I need to be in the room with her yeah. when we do this. We can do this over. Oh yeah, Zoom all day. Yeah. but I feel like. You're the first person I've been in the room with. Oh, good. On, on the podcast yeah. thing. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, there were so, I'm going to go back and listen to this mm-hmm. and write out. I feel like God was saying so many things through you, Annie. Oh, gosh. Annie, you always ask people, yes, what's your way of having fun? <laughs> what is fun to you? What sounds fun to me today is um, I'm going tonight to a Nashville soccer club game. I just love that we have soccer. And today's <sighs> kind of a heavy day uh, with work I'm doing. And so to end the day, watching a soccer match feels like, yes. yeah, let's go. Yes. I can't wait. So oh. that sounds fun to me is going and cheering for our boys in blue. We, I know that's a new thing. Yeah, blue and gold. I you haven't come done on. it. Oh, when you're in town next time, let's go. Okay. It's really okay. fun. It's really All right, fun. Well, date. Oh. Date. Done. Done. Annie, can you tell me where people can find you? Yes. It's embarrassingly easy to find me. It's just Annie F. Downs, F as in fun. Um, That's all over the place. And then the That Sounds Fun podcast, just search wherever you love listening. Wherever you're listening to this, go find That Sounds Fun. Hit subscribe and we'll be there. Two episodes already exist with Lauren, so they can go back and hear those. How fun is that? I love you. Thanks for letting me do this. So much. So much. What a gift. Daigle Bites is an Amazon Music podcast hosted by me, Lauren Daigle, and produced by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. Hey, I'm Lauren Daigle. For more interviews and thought-provoking conversations, and to listen to every episode, follow us here exclusively on Amazon Music. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. 
Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win $200 million. Thousands, not millions. $200,000. Because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The GOAT. Stream free on Amazon Freebie or Prime Video.